Welcome to MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Soccer Player Development Podcast. Discover all the secrets, hints and tips about soccer player development and soccer coaching from some of the leading figures in world soccer. Here's your host, Saul Isaacson-Hurst. What's happening, guys? Welcome back to another show. Uh, this week we've got a top, top guest. It's Andy Martino, uh, Academy uh, Coach at Southampton FC. Andy I've known for many, many years, um, uh, working on the circuit when I was at Tottenham and Chelsea, so working in the foundation phase, paying his teams. Uh, so um, he's, a t- he's, a, he's a character, everyone knows him, uh, top guy, and obviously someone who's worked at Southampton Academy for many, many years, so can really give us some insight into why is that's one of the best, uh, been one of the most prolific academies in English football and producing top, top Premier League players. So real interesting dive into that. He talks about his work, working on the international program as well. So uh, lots of real gold to share with you and uh, this one definitely not to be missed. Just want to point out, remember that uh, the coach's pass is going from strength to strength. Remember the coach's pass or my personal football coach, the only place where you get uh, actual videos or sessions every week from Premier League Academy coaches from around the world, from myself as well. This at the moment we've got a series going on from uh, from West Brom, Birmingham FC's academies, Wolves, uh, lots of top academy coaches delivering top quality sessions every week. Uh, video of a session coming through uh, on on uh, onto the website. So check that out. It's also a seven day money back guarantee as well with that so the only place you're going to get that so the only place to see real academy coaches working every week uh, and also now we're including um, a pdf of each session a plan of each session they can take out and use as well so like i said check out the coaches pass on mypersonalfootballcoach.com uh, without further ado let's get into the show so andy martino welcome to the show cheers Sam. nice to meet you again obviously it's been a while we've been trying to do this for a few months haven't we we have done. We have, mate. Absolutely. So can you just give us a little bit of a brief, just literally like, you know, 30 seconds or so, a brief outline of your, your playing and coaching journey up to this point? Okay, so, yeah, um, I got into coaching oh, a long time ago. So obviously I'm a lot older than you, Sol. So, yeah, um, back in 1998, I joined Southampton. Yeah. Um, just before that, um, one of those things that, as most people really, you know, you, you're playing a bit, knocking around the scene and that, and then decided that, you know, to, to go into coaching. I had a conversation with with another coach, and I thought, yeah, that sounds that sounds really interesting. So I looked at the the badges what were out there. Um, you know, back then it was a junior team leaders award I did, um, junior team managers, and then obviously it was um, UA for B part one and UA for B part two. So, so I did all my badges back then in the day. Um, luckily, you know, I live in Hampshire, so the, the nearest club to me was Southampton. I went down there just to see about, you know, coaching. Um, they gave me an opportunity to work in the community program, so working in the schools, um, various um, teams as well, grassroots teams, colleges, as, as everyone does. So, so I did that. Then um, went through my qualifications. Um, now got the A license and the Advanced Youth Award, um, as well as my tutor status. So in 2012, I started delivering courses as well. So now I'm delivering the UA for B license, and my current role here at Southampton is the football development manager. So I work with our international academies in various parts of the world, implementing the academy performance plan. Um, still work in the academy as well as an individual support coach. And I'm also a grassroots coach as now for four years. So I've been coaching my son's team, whether that's good or bad for him, I'm not too sure. But I've um, been doing that since he was under seven and he's now under 11s. So that was a long 30 seconds. So. Uh, how uh, that was lovely, mate. Nice brief to the point like it, mate. How, 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 long, do you, how long have you worked in the academy then? Just how many years have been in the academy, solely in the academy, do you think? So in the academy since 2000. So yeah, so what's that, 22 years. Yeah. Wow. So you've seen, you must have seen many, many, many players come through those doors. Give us a come when you give us a roll of some of the honours list of the, uh, the, you know, the alumni that you've worked with. Or seen. Um, yeah, so so lots really from well Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. He was um, that was the first group that I had when when he was under nines, um, and then obviously other players who have come through, 
your James Ward-Prowse, your Callum Chambers, your Luke Shaw. Um, and then obviously Gareth Bale was slightly different because he was training at our Bath Centre, but then come into us for the games programme. So obviously not as much contact there. And then, you know, other players who are now coming into the, the, the squad, you know, you've obviously got Will Smallbone, um, Jake Vokins out on loan. So lots of players like that. So then tell us, tell us about those first, you know, looking back to those first few sessions, those first few weeks or months, tell us a little about what was that like in terms of being, a, you know, fresh face coach going into academy football at a big club like that? What the main, what are your main things you remember about those, those days? Um, I suppose the, the, the biggest thing you do is, you know, you, you're always, you're always watching, aren't you? And learning and then getting bits from other coaches. So I always share that, you know, I was very lucky that when I was doing the 10s for a whole year, I worked with Steve Wigley, who obviously at Southampton then, he was the Rez's manager as well, as well as our head of coaching. Um, and then he's obviously, you know, coached at England, you know, various levels from there. So, so working with Steve was, was huge for me, just seeing how he engaged with individuals. Because as a fresh coach, you, you know, it's like, yeah, you want cones everywhere, you've got target goals set up, you know, you want it all to run smoothly, you've set your practice for 12 kids and if 11 come, it's like, oh, what am I going to do with this? I've got a player missing, do I need to join in? So, so right at the beginning, I was always trying to create the perfect session and what I mean by the perfect session was actually what looked good and what looked good on paper and then, you know, you quickly realise that, you know, it doesn't go to plan. And working in the school system was huge for, for a learning curve. You know, we've all been there where you've got 30-year-old kids all looking up at you, you know, and, and you're having to engage them and keep that enthusiasm going. And, and that was a, a real massive learning development for me was being able to be adaptable and flexible. And, and as I said, working with Steve really, the, the thing he did was he kept the, the practice so simple. You know, you look at me and go, oh, yeah, I've seen that before. Oh, yeah, I know what that is. But then it was the detail that he was giving to the individuals around that and, and how he gave that information. Give us a, can you give us an idea then? What are, what are these Steve Wigley sessions look like? What would be a typical session as you walked into Southampton about those years ago? Um, so, so we'd have a lot of technical work in there. So, so lots of practices which allowed repetition, which were good. But, but what he did, he always then made them, you know, relevant to that age group, but, but also what's going on in the game. So he's very good at painting pictures. So even though it's a, uh, a technical practice, rather than it being, right, you're going to go from this cone to that cone, it's right, yeah, you're the fullback. This is where the centre mid is. As that ball travels in here, you need to support here. So it's creating those pictures within there. And then, as I said, what he was good at was making the, the, the sessions, whether they're simple as in setup. The players got engaged very quickly and then it was just progressing it, you know, just adding little bits in. Okay, now you're doing that. I want a combination in here. Now you do that, receive on your left foot or receive on your back foot. And it was adding those little bit of progressions within that practice. Okay, and tell us about then your 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 next your next progression and how did you progress through the academy? So 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 for me in the academy, I say so I started in the school programme, then I worked in the development centres which now are probably seen more as pre-academy. So working with the younger players there, so, so that next stepping stone. And then I got an opportunity to, to go into the academy under nines as an assistant. And then the, the rest just happened from there, really then sort of progressed through, then being a, a head coach within age groups. I've always worked in the foundation phase, so under nines, under tens and under elevens. So working, um, so, so when I first started, it was eight aside in the academy yeah and then obviously when e triple p came in as well we, we sort of structured it and it was then seven aside for the nines and tens and then 11 uh, sorry and then nine aside for the under 11s so it gave me different you know different formats to to work with which was which was really great but but i do like working with the younger players maybe because i'm as big as they are and also that they get my jokes a bit better as well so it's quite good well yeah at least someone at least someone does right but you know Exactly. I've still got round the world in the locker. I don't know if you've mastered <laughs> yeah. that one yet. Yeah. <laughs> we'll skill off later, but maybe. That's the, uh, that's the part. <laughs> so, um, tell us then about, tell us, obviously, look, Southampton's one of the most successful academies in the country, maybe Europe. Very prolific, considering, you know, relatively modest as well, smaller club. And particularly if you've got one side of you, you've got the ocean behind you. 
what do you think the secret is? Why why have you had such a phenomenal success in developing players? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So to be honest, um, I always say the people. I think the people are important, and you know, every club has a way of doing things. You know, Southampton have their way of doing things. And um, what we, what we've been good at is making sure we have the right people who understand that, but also you know that that they they realise you know what our beliefs at Southampton are, and it's important that you get the right people to do that. Um, and also, you know, recruitment as well. You know, the, the type of players we we bring in that that we can work with, and having you know clear idea of what we want those players to be able to do. You know, I always say that. Um, you know, you know, you've been around the game long enough. Is one of the sad parts of the job is not every every player makes it as a pro, unfortunately. You know, and that is the reality. So, you know, when you get to the sixteen years age and you're looking at offering those scholarships, you know, unfortunately, not not all the players get that opportunity. But but what we have found over the years, which is something, you know, it's not great that that we we can't offer them a scholarship at Southampton. But what is nice is that when those players are released, they always go to another club because, you know, I, I believe that clubs out there know that if we're not going to take that player on, they know the type of player they're getting, not just from a football side, but from a person as well. Because, you know, we always say that we're not just developing footballers here, we're developing people. Interesting. So how do, how do you do that? How do you, how do you develop people? What's the, you know, tell us a little bit about that then. What does that look like in your programme? Yeah, it's just just things about, you know, obviously, you know, as every club, you'll have your own um, code of conduct, if you like. You know, we have our 10 academy commandments for our players, you know, and one of them is that they be honest. We want them to be honest with us. You know, that could be down to them feeling tired from a school game. It could be them having a slight injury. It could be concerns they don't understand, you know, moving from seven aside to nine aside, you know, the bigger pictures, whatever that is. But it's having that, that we, we call it open door as well. So it's having that conversation that, you know, the players and the parents know that if they want a conversation with us, you know, it might not be we can do it right there, right then, but we will make time and sit down with them and, and speak to them and, and just making sure that, you know, every player's trek differently, you know, because it's no different to school, you know, and coaches, we're all different. We all have a different way we like to engage. So getting to understand and getting to know your player is huge. And then that allows us to set that environment. So we want the environment to be to be fun. You know, the, the, the kids have got to come in and enjoy it. You know, we all, we all play football and love the game because we enjoy it. So we want to make sure that's there. But also there's a learning aspect there as well and making sure we're getting that learning, you know, through the player, through different interventions. So tell us a bit about then, what, tell us what a typical Southampton session would look like in the foundation phase. Um, so, obviously, different nights have different set hours, but for an example, um, the first 30 minutes would be with strength and conditioning coaches, and that would be through a, a play model, so using multi-sports to, to, to use for the players, so that they, they could do you know basketball or tennis or whatever it is, so different ways for them to, to learn their fundamentals within there. Um, then the, the coaches would, would be part of that session because it's important that S&C don't stand alone to, to us. So the coaches interact within that practice. And then the coaches would then lead within the session. So a lot of it will be games-based. So trying to get them that those pitches within the game. So it could be like a whole part, whole session, it could be an opposed session to begin with. And if needed as well, there's, there's you know, technical warm-ups that we'd use as well. But predominantly, it's around a games-based approach. Um, and then also, and it's something, you know, you're, you're heavily involved in, so is that they're individual development plans. So one day a week as well, we, we give out a 30-minute slot where we actually go in and just make sure, you know, what you're doing at home, what you're practicing for your targets, show me what you're doing, let's tweak it, let's help you, you know. And, and just check in that way as well. So so um, so, so there's those individual those individual development plans. How often do the players get set those 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 targets? So the the, the targets are on average set every six weeks. We'll reflect back on them and, and review them. 
But sometimes, as you know, you know, you, you might continue that same target, which is fine. Sometimes you might just change it slightly, or sometimes you might say, actually, yeah, you nailed that now. Let's let's move it on and, and add this one in. So again, you know, going back to our player-centered approach, you know, every we don't say it has to be done in six weeks or twelve. We don't give a time scale for that because every player will evolve differently. And so, what sort what sort of what would those targets be, for example? So it could be something on, the target could be around, say, 1v1 defending, but then we'll drill down into that and go, actually, what we need you to work on is, it might even be more of a physical challenge. It might be, your, it's your deacceleration at the moment. At the moment, when you're going to try and close the ball down, you're just not slowing down and the, you know, the player's popping it around you. So it could be that, it could be down to their body shape. It could be down to that game intelligence. Okay, so when you've actually got into that defending shape now, which is great, we want you now to work out, right, we're showing the player inside, outside, weaker foot, stronger foot, where are we going in there? So, so again, it's just digging that detail down. But with the younger players, we will give them one area, but probably break it into three, three, um, three sections, if that makes sense, on there. So then we can give the detail around there. And then what's, tell us then, you said about each night's different. How's, how are the, how's the week structured? Different, different things, different nights, or you know. Yeah, so so with the foundation phase at the moment, um, we we have three nights, so that's so on a Monday, on a Wednesday, and on a Friday. So on the on the Monday night, they would come in for a two hour session. As I said, they'd have S and C for thirty minutes, and then we would break it with the coach for an hour session, and then we'd have thirty minutes of the IDP. So that'd be um, typical Monday. On a Wednesday, at the moment, we're going off-site to give them a different challenge. So we're using a different venue, which has got the small pitches, the small five-a-side pitches, just to give them different intensity, a different um, variety as well. So it's totally different for them to, to, to see where, you know, obviously it's more intense. You know, you've got the boards around the outside. So it's giving you different outcomes. So we're doing that for a few weeks at the moment. And then on a Friday, again, we'll have 30 minutes of S&C and then we'll go into a 90-minute session with the, with the coach. And again, that could even link into what the weekend is because, as you know, this time of year, we have various tournaments, as in futsal tournaments going on, um, different festivals. And we're also, with, the, with our youth phase, we're using a bio-banding approach at the moment as well. So, so there's various games programs going on. And what's, is there like a is there a tactical cycle or something like that? Is there a, like themes that the, the coaches need to work through? Yeah, so so we obviously have a, a curriculum as as you can imagine. Um, the way we work our curriculum is um, one week in possession, one week out, one week in, one week out, and then they'll complement each other. So, for instance, your main focus could be playing out from the back, and then the secondary learning focus would be pressing from the front as you're playing out and then where we've got the two coaches per age group you know different ways of doing it but one week it could be the the coach may um try to obviously work on the main theme playing out from the back and then the the second coach may then okay well while that's going on i'll work on the secondary focus of pressing from the front of different ways of pressing to give you a variety of outcomes interesting and so you mentioned like two coach per age groups there. How does that work? So you have like a lead coach and an assistant, that sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah. And so so again, you know, Cat One Club, you know, we're very lucky with, with staff. So so within the foundation phase, you'd have a lead coach and an assistant coach. Um, we've also obviously got strength and conditioning coach. Um, we've got access to psychology as well for, for the foundation phase and a goalkeeping coach within the foundation phase as well, and an analysis as well with the phase. So, so there's, there's a lot of staff there which gives you, you know, great opportunities to, to seek advice and also get, get other opinions as well, which is, which is great because, you know, back in the day, as, as you're aware, you know, it used to be the coach made all the decisions when it comes to the end of the season. It was just their eyes on them players. But now there's a huge MDT involved in there, which is, which is great. So how does that work then, for example, you know, for example, you're head of the tens. How's the planning work then? You you planning that yourself? You're planning as a phase, planning as a you know multi in a, a multidisciplinary team? What how does, how does that fit in? 
Yeah, so, so you plan as a team. So, you know, we have meetings. Obviously, everybody is well aware of Zoom and Teams nowadays. So, so you'll have the, the meetings to say, you know, that the head coach will lead on, on that meeting and say, right, this is what the curriculum is at the moment. This is the needs of the players. And then everybody will bring up if they've got any concerns about, you know, if any individual needs stretching slightly with their training or we've got a trialist coming in so everybody knows what's going on. And then the, the, the sessions are planned around there. So so the goalkeeper coach knows exactly what the outfield coaches are doing. S&C know what we're doing, vice versa. So it's it's not just turn up and think, oh, what's going on over there? You know, it has been planned and it all links into the into the curriculum. Interesting. What what, what What's the difference between the sessions being put in on now to the ones that you first saw when you turned up in the academy, do you think? Um, I think the... The first thing is obviously the amount of staff, without a doubt, you know, because back then it was just a coach per age group and, and you know, you, you're only full-time staff in the academy or like the youth team coach and, and the academy manager, you know, so so the the amount of staff that's that's out there. Um, and also I think, you know, back in the day we used to, obviously, you know, when you were coaching, you were coaching the individual within the session. But I just think now there's a lot more awareness going on so there's a lot more understanding about that player, you know, how they how they react under pressure, under stress, you know, their psychology profile as well, the type of learning they like. So, so there's a lot more detail now within there. Um, I think back in the in the day as well, there was more of a focus in the younger group as well on technical. So there's a lot of you know repetition work there, and then. Obviously, that then linked into into the game, but it was a lot more coaching what what you could see in front of you. So, so what do you feel the needs of this group are? You'd be working there rather than more of a, a curriculum based approach as, as we we have now. So that, like to mention your the curriculum based approach, how much of that is, for example, reactionary? You know, do do you react to the game, or is it very you know you okay? We're working on this because this is week six of the cycle, that sort of thing, how much flexibility is there for the coaches to, you know, change things and that sort of thing? Yeah, so, so we're very lucky as well, you know, that, that we have access to the players so much, you know, compared to what grassroots clubs have. So, so because we've got the three sessions a week, then we can obviously go off curriculum if we need to. If we feel that's a benefit for those players, then we can. And because, as I said, because we've got three sessions a week, you can, you know, you can quite easily get back on track with the with the curriculum focus. So, so, so we are quite quite lucky there. And um, again, because there's two coaches, that you know, sometimes we'll say, right, well, these these players here, like for instance, an example was last week. So through when the strength and conditioning program was happening, I took out two players to work with them because one of them needed to work on their receiving under pressure. So I took those players out to give them a little bit more contact time in isolation from there, which which worked really well. Interesting. And tell us a bit about game days then. How do you approach the game on the weekends? Is it, you know, you're winning at all costs, you're sticking it in the channels, getting, getting the uh, turn in the defence? Only when I'm playing against you. And I want to <laughs> yeah. make sure I win because I've got the bragging rights for a year then. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So yeah, now, now with the with the game, so obviously we have team targets. So so we, we look at what those are. So and again, that would link into what you've been doing throughout the week. So if the focus using playing out from the back, nice easy one, then that would be what you'd be talking around, predominantly within within the match day. So yeah, the, the results don't don't count, of course they don't. But obviously, you want your players to be competitive, and that's the difference. And if your players are competitive, then Obviously, the result will will sort of link in there as well. But but you want your players to to be competitive. So so the games are around their own IDPs and and the team targets that we've got. So that's how when you know after the game is finished, when we're reflecting back and we're you know giving feedback to the players that will be around those areas. Obviously, that still links into what's happened in the game, and you know with the analysis as well. You know that the clips there would be to to show what the what they the, the need to do better, but also, and for me, this is my personal view as well. I do feel in England we're very good at um, setting challenges to players 
And then as soon as the nail one, we give them another one. So it's like, yeah, yeah, you've done that well, right? You're not very good at this one, so let's do this one now, right? Yeah, there's another one you're not good at. Whereas I'm very much, I like to, I call it the super strengths. So I like to make sure that every player's got a super strength. And then at times you can say, look, today, I just want you to work on your strengths, what you're good at, and go and enjoy yourself, be good at this. Because, you know, especially with young players, there's always bumps in the road. You know, it could be, it could be injury. It could be something happening at home. It could be moving school from under 11s to under 12s, going from the big fish in primary school to secondary school. And, you, you know, you might just want to take the pressure off them a little bit and go, look, this, you're a great dribbling 1v1s. Get out there, go and take them on. Show me what you can do, you know, and, and give them that confidence as well. So, so for me, I always like to use the strengths as well. I'm going to just go wind back and come back to that in a minute. But what, what, so how do you get the balance, though, between, you know, making sure they're competitive and then, you know, obviously the result doesn't matter. There's a lot of debate about, you know, winning mentality. Some coaches talk about that. How do you, how do you, how do you, you know, find that happy medium between those, those two sort of things? Yeah, I suppose what we, we're good here as well is with our games programme, so with the foundation, we've got like three, three tiers, if you like. We've got the your, your academy games, so where we play, obviously, Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, and, you know, their classes development games. We've also got our um, tournaments. So, obviously, you know, with, with the latest year, it hasn't been as great, but but we, we try to take our players away. So they would go, it might even be to Europe, somewhere in the UK, but we go to a tournament and we go to compete. We go to win that. And, that, that, and that's what we tell them. You know, we're going there to, to be the best we can and, and hopefully win the, tr- win the trophy. And then the other uh, games program we have is with grassroots. So what we tend to do is play an older age group or a mixed age group of grassroots kids and, and they'll come in or we'll go to them. And, you know, they are competitive because the grassroots kids want their shirts. They're coming in to win the game, you know, without a doubt. You know, the, the coach on the side wants that wants that accolade of beating Southampton Academy. So so it is a competitive game. So so that's how we, we, we can get the balance better. Like I say, with the tournaments, whether it's futsal or it's um, a tournament abroad, you're going to win. So all of a sudden the kids are looking at the group stages and going, right, we need to win this game to get out of the group. And then it's the knockout stages and everything from there. So it's giving them that experience. And that's what I think is important, that we, we vary that experience because... It can't always be every week that you're going out there to win every game because there's some things that you need to work on, you know. It might be you're working on your, I don't know, a, a different formation because we always play two formations within each age group to give them a variety. And that first time you go into the next formation is so different for them. So you've got to be patient with them and they're going to get it wrong. Of course they are, you know, pros get it wrong, you know. Kids are going to get it wrong. So we need to be there ready to support them and let them learn through their mistakes and develop. So, so it, that, that games program gives us good opportunities to, to work across the, the spectrum. And so what's, what's, what are the formations you play there, for example, in the, in the foundation phase? So, um, so for seven aside, we, we play obviously uh, a one, two, three, one and a one, three, two, one. Obviously the keeper being the one, keeper's part of the team, not apart from the team, got to include them. So, so they get to play the different formations there. And then when we link it into the 11 aside, you know, from, from the academy down, you know, I'm not sure about every club, but, but for here at Southampton, we protect the academy. So, yes, the first team play a very, you know, different formations, which links into our B team and now into our 18s, which is great. But the Premier League is there about winning games. You know, we've got to stay in the Premier League. Let's, let's be honest about it. That's what we're doing. Yeah. But the academy, so from the 16s down... We will protect that. So 11 aside in the academy, we'll play a one four three three or one three five two to give them two different ways of playing. And then uh, seven aside and nine aside links into there. So what, what would you play at 9v9? So at 9v9, we'll play either a one three two three. Three two three, yeah. Yep, yeah, or we'll play a one, th- uh, sorry, a one two three two one. So again, of a Christmas tree formation to to give them different various ways. Interesting. And you you mentioned you mentioned analysis a couple of times. What, what sort of role does analysis play within the foundation phase at the club? 
So obviously, you know, as, as you know, the academies, you know, we're very lucky. We've got cameras everywhere. So, so every game is filmed. So they'll get full access to the game afterwards. So they can watch the whole game back. So they can watch themselves, you know, uh, their teammates as well, you know, what was going on around them. Um, and then also we can give them clips. So we'll give them clips around their IDPs or sometimes it might be coming away from that and just saying, actually, at the moment we've noticed your recovery runs are, are like this rather than this. And we give them examples and that's really good to use. So, so we use Huddle for that. And then the kids can go on and comment on what they've seen and, and clip it themselves, which is, which because as you know, you know, the, the game's changed as in with, with kids, you know, my own kids, that they're on their gadgets all the time. You know, my own boy learned the offside rule through playing FIFA. You know, the, the, way, they, the way they engage is different to how we did. So, so they're quite comfortable going on a phone, on an iPad, watching clips and, and reviewing it and, and feeding back, which is, which is really good. Interesting. Now, let, let's just, just switch it up a little bit because uh, I know, you know, you know each other. I know you, you've also been, you've gone back into grassroots uh, recently to, to coach one of your, your boys, I believe. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Yeah, so obviously when I first turned up, I was wondering where the indoor dome was and the, <laughs> and the analysis of the SNC. I was like, what's going on here? But, um, but yeah, no, it's, um, it, it's been really good for me because, um, like I said, I started with an under seven, so that was 5v5. And I've just tried to implement some of the stuff that I've learned over the years and, and do there. And the biggest thing I find is that... <clears throat> A lot of the, you know, especially now we're getting into that competitive stage because he's under 11 now. So the leagues aren't competitive, but we're in divisions. So, so work that one out for yourself. So, so, oh. so they're not competitive with a league table, but they put us in division one, two and three, <laughs> which is fine. So, so, so some of the managers are, you know, is a bit of a win at all costs, whereas I'm still very much, I share the game time with them. You know, we, we move around positions which I feel work for them players in, in certain games. But but then some coaches, you know, bless them, they'll, they'll come off a course and they're like, they're, they're moving their players like every six minutes, 20 seconds. I'm going, what are you doing? Oh, yeah, because I've got to make sure it's equal. I said, we don't have to be equal on every single part. You know, these kids are not even learning. They're just moving around all the time. So, so that side of it's really good. You know, nobody knows where I'm from. I just turn up in neutral gear. A bit, a bit with a bit of Puma, a bit of Adidas, a bit of Nikon, and 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 just stand on the side. But but what I've found is that you know the, the, the hardest thing in grassroots is you don't have that time with them. Mm. You know you, you don't have that you know eight ten hours a week that you're lucky in the academy that you get. So it's it's really understanding what they're doing away from you, understanding what they they can do away from you, and then you supporting them that way. That's well, been the biggest well, challenge. Well, let's, let's talk about that because obviously a lot of the people, the listeners are grassroots coaches. They're one of those golden nuggets from experienced coaches like yourself. Uh, but so how, how often do you have the grassroots team? How, 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 how many sessions a week do you have? So my lad plays a Saturday team and I get them for an hour. And then he yeah. plays for a Sunday team and I get them for an hour. So I just see, one hour a week for the team. I see coaching two different teams, one hour a week. Yeah. So and it's the same club, but we're just playing a Saturday league and a Sunday league. Okay. But the, the players are slightly different. Some so are the same. But so tell us a bit. How, how do you approach that one hour a week? Um, you know, like you say, you used to have an eight, nine, ten hours a week. How do you approach that one hour a week? And what's, what, is, what goes through your mind when you're, des you're designing a session plan? Okay, so because I'm quite, quite OCD, I like things planned as well. So, so I have done a, a curriculum for myself. You know, I've took some ideas from Southampton, obviously, and bits that I've seen at other places and through my tutoring. And um, so, so I've got my seasonal plan. So when they were under sevens, eights, and nines, I did three weeks in possession, one week out. Three weeks in, one week out. And then from tens, I've now gone to a similar approach to what I do at the club, where it's one week in, one week out, and it complements but my, my sessions for an hour session. So, so when they get there, we'll do um, say a 10 minute uh, ball manipulation for the warm up. So it'll include lots of obviously movement patterns within there to get them stretching, especially in the, the, the colder evenings. And then I'll go into the, the, the practice that I'm looking for. So, some weeks I will always have a game at the end, 
now some weeks, and the players know me by now, is I won't just stop the practice to get into that game. Because what I'll say to the kids, say, look, tonight you've done some great work and we've gone through the technical and skill part and now time's against us. So what we'll do next week, we'll go straight into the game. But we'll continue with this theme that we've been working on this week. So I'll coach the theme within the game. So they're still getting their game minutes to, to practice. But, but what you can't do is fight against the clock because there's only one winner and the clock will beat you every time. So if you can't you know, get everything in there, don't worry about it. Take it into next week's learning. That's what I've tended to do. And you talked about what they're doing away from training. What do, what do you mean by that? And how can you, you know, maximise those, those outcomes that players aren't with you? Yeah, definitely. So again, you know, I've with my lads team. I, I do an IDP with them. Obviously, a watered down version to the to the detail the the academy boys are getting, but you know it's a real good focus for them. But then what I do is I share that with the parent, so I agree it with the player and say, look, these are the areas I want you to work on. Now these are some ideas of what you can do. So again, it's me getting to understand. So you know I have the conversations with the player and parent, right? So what have you got at home? So it might be actually he's got an older brother. Or the, he's got a younger sister who plays, or he's got dad, uncle, auntie, whoever it is who can support them. Or they've got this, we've got a slot then on a Tuesday evening, he doesn't do anything. Oh, great. So we might even be able to do that. We've got a garden, or we live in an apartment. So we get that session, and then I show them little practices that they can do. And then what is good when they come in, so it might be just as the arrival activity, while the warm up's going on, I'll just have a chat with one of the kids and say, Oh, how's, your, how's the, the homework going? What are you? How's it going? Oh, yeah, it's really good. What I've started doing now is this. And the kids start to adapt it as well, which is really good. So it's it's just getting to know those players, but also getting to know the families because, you know, some families are really busy. They haven't got time. And I, I know during the lockdown, you know, everybody was going on Zoom and doing calls and then they're saying, oh, the players aren't engaged. And it's like, but you don't know what that family is like. They might only have one laptop in the house and everybody's fighting to use it. You know, there's so much that goes on. But the biggest thing I would say to the grassroots coaches is understand your player, but also understand the family that they're coming from. What would you say was the biggest challenge? Or was there any challenges from coming from that elite environment and then going back into grassroots football? What, were there any challenges there? Yeah, definitely. The, the, the thing for me was, again, <laughs> I'm using the parents, but was their commitment. You know, like academy kids, they're coming in 60 minutes, 90 minutes, whichever age groups they're in, travelling in and they're getting there, they're committed. Whereas in the grassroots at first, I did find that it was quite easy, you know, on a, on a, on a cold, rainy night, you'd be getting met, oh, yeah, they've come home from school and they've, they've, they've got a cold, or oh, I didn't realise we've got this to do. The, it was quite, um, the, the commitment side was always a, a challenge to start with. But then, you know, we addressed that, you know, I spoke to them and said, look, you've got to realise I'm coming in from where I'm travelling, but also I'm planning to improve your play. And then once they understood what you were doing behind the scenes, you know, I didn't realise you had to do all this plan. I didn't realise you expect you wanted to know what players were in and what this is. And then even on the match days, you know, to make sure everyone's getting their game time and the positions and the planning that goes on. That was a real learning point from them and that light bulb moment where the parents were like, wow, there's a lot that goes into this and we didn't get it and now we appreciate what you're doing. So again, for grassroots coaches out there, don't be afraid at times to, to let the parents know what you're actually doing because they just assume that, oh, you just, you just rock up at six o'clock and get the balls out of the car and then the session just happens and then you go home again so you know let them know what you're doing for their son and daughter i think that's important uh, and what what advice would you give to like a grassroots coach there who wants to get better and give their players the best opportunities they can biggest advice i would say is and again i go back to you know working with steve for that year go and work with with other coaches Go and see other coaches because, you know, I've seen it so many times. It frustrates me when there might be a CPD going on and there's a practice going on and coach will go, oh, I've seen that. And I'd be like, yeah, you might have seen it. Nobody's trying to reinvent the wheel here, but watch their mannerisms. Watch how they, you know, deal with the players. Watch how they progress it. Watch how the session just gradually moves on without a lot of interruption going on. 
that's the that's the important part. So so the, the, the advice is, yeah, go and watch as many coaches as you can, but different coaches. And again, at different ages, because, you know, in grassroots, it tends to be, you know, if it's a parent coach, they'll stick with that group. Like I've stuck with my lad's team from sevens to elevens and until he gets fed up with me, which probably won't be much longer, uh, you know, I'll probably stay with them. And it's, you know, so you don't get to see, you know, other age groups, you just see that group. So I think another powerful one as well is on an evening, if you've got like a, a full-sized um, pitch there, 3G, whatever it is, and you've got four or five different age groups on, sometimes set up, you know, you call it the carousel approach where set up sessions, but then let the players move around. So you get a different set of eyes on those players because that will help as well because sometimes if you're with them that group all the time, you've got your own bias of what you like as a player. It might be you like a player who works hard. It might be you like a player who passes. You like a player who dribbles, whatever it is. You all have that bias. So to get a different set of eyes on these players is huge because sometimes another coach says, actually, little Johnny down there, cool. You know, I, I tried him in centre mid. He was, oh, I've never played him there. I didn't see him as that position. And it's good to get a different opinion. It's good for the players to have a different voice occasionally as well. Because again, they get used to what pleases you. So they will do what makes you happy in the session at times. So then they might be a bit more creative because there's a different coach who think, oh, I'm going to do this because this coach, he might like it if I try this rainbow flick over here and, and different bits. So, so again, for grassroots, Try and see various coaches, 100%. But if you can and you've got the opportunity, as an example, see different players as well because it's good to have different opinions. Interesting. And what about yourself? How do you develop yourself, you know, a couple of decades over in the game? How do you keep on, you know, keep... By talking to you, Sean. This is what's doing. This is my CPD, mate, I tell you. Exactly, yeah. This is a podcast. I go on. <laughs> yeah, no, no, exactly. It's It's... It's important that you do. So so I'm lucky with the tutoring because obviously, you know, there's constant CPD there where the courses change um, and you're seeing different people. And again, I'm one of those coaches. I love just, as you know, I love just chatting away and I talk forever. And just even talking with a level one coach, a a level two, an A license coach, you're always learning because there's different ways they're doing things. And I love doing that. And then also at Southampton, you know, we're we're very big on our CPD as well. So it's not always football-based. Sometimes we'll have some guest speakers from other sports. It may be other professions. And again, it's just different ways of of learning that way as well. So, so yeah, never never stop. And and it's hard in grassroots. I know that because your time's precious to you. So you might not have that time. But again, there's so much out there now, you know, you know, some of the podcasts you've done, you know, you've had a lot more interesting people on than me. So, you know, they they need to, they can go on there and just listen, whether it's in the car or what have you, but definitely keep, you know, watching other other coaches as much as you can. Um, And tell us about then the the work you do with the international department and how how does that work? Yeah, that's been, that's been really good, obviously. In a way as well, we've, we've been challenged because, you know, we've locked down on that. So, so with our partner clubs, we've got them in various places, you know, Australia, America, Africa, all over all over the world. And what we do is we share our academy performance plan. So that's down to our coaching philosophy, our playing philosophy, our playing styles, formations that we use, our curriculum as well we share. So again, it's helping them, but it's not just giving them all the paperwork. It's then engaging with them. So we do lots of remote delivery of CPD online, and then we go out there as well. So, example, next week um, out in Bahrain for, for a few days with a partner club. So we'll work with their coaches, doing some coach ed. We'll work with their players as well, get to see the players and also engage with the parents as well, You know, explaining the benefits of them having a partnership with Southampton, how that's going to help their son and daughter You know, in their development stages. So give us an idea, you've been at Bahrain. Where else have you been on with the international department? So yeah, so for myself, I've been, you know, various, um, obviously, countries in the, in in the, sorry, various states in the in the in America, um, Canada, um, been to Africa as well, to to Kenya, working with players. Um, we've got a partner club in India now. I haven't been there yet, so we're looking to get out there this year. 
Um, we've got a partner club in Malaysia as well. So looking to, to get out there, been to Australia as well. And um, the, the nice thing, so as, as you know, you know, you've done more, you, you're obviously a BA gold member, you are. You've done more <laughs> traveling than I have. But, um, I don't think so, by the way. <laughs> especially that first class seat that you always keep lagging. But, but it's so different and every environment's different. And that's what I, I like as a, as a coach. And that's, you know, going back to your previous point about how do I develop myself and keep learning? Well, going to these different territories and seeing different ways of coaching and, and different challenges they have is, is a real good learning curve for me. So, so, so it's quite like, um, you know, a lot of people would be jealous hearing these, you know, this, these stories about your exotic trips around. But, I mean, you're, you're lucky you work full time in football. You have done for a long time. What advice would you give to a young aspiring coach who wants to have a full time career in the game? And, you know, just starting out, maybe wants to get into an academy football, work in the international department, you know, that sort of thing. I think, so I touched on before, you know, you need to have an open mind as well. And, and as I say, you know, don't try and think that you're going to be the next Pep or the next Klopp, the next Ralph, whoever you think you're going to be. Be yourself. Take some good ideas, you know, like, you know, I've nicked a couple of ideas from you, so I won't, I won't deny that, but they're not copyrighted, so you're not going to sue me for them. But, but you put your own personality on them, and that, that's important that you do that because, you know, you're a human being, you are who you are, so don't try and change. But also, I won't lie to you, and you know as well, it's a graft. You're going to have to work hard. You know, it's long hours. You know, there's the evenings, you've got the sessions, and then it's the planning, and then the games at the weekend, you know. And like you say, you know, um, you know we've both done a bit of travelling now, and it's great, you know, experiences, but it's still a graft. You know, for me next week, I'll be travelling on the Monday. I get there Monday evening. I'm delivering Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, get back on the plane. Friday, get back, and then Saturday, I've got a game. So it, it is, it's hard work. But it's enjoyable as well. There's lots of, you know, great opportunities to see various parts of the world and meet other coaches. But it is hard work, so never be afraid of that. And the other bit of advice I would always give, and I, and I do find this a challenge with, with certain age groups now, is you've got to do a lot of this voluntary as well. Mm. You know, when I got in the academy, I spent two years just going down there, just watching sessions, picking up cones, you know, getting to know the, the players, the, the staff down there asking questions and then your face gets around and then it'll be like, oh, and come over here. Do you want to just take this a little bit while I'm dealing with this? And then they, they start to see you work and they trust you as well. But there's a lot of voluntary hours that go in there. And, you know, as I said, it is a graft, but but the hard work does pay off. And what about, what about particularly the foundation phase? You know, you, you assume you call yourself foundation phase specialist spending all that time there. What, what do you think the main qualities of a coach are to need to, to be a successful foundation phase specialist? You've got to be enthusiastic. I'm a big believer in, you know, your players will mirror you at times. So if you're, you know, being fun and engaging and a lot of energy about you, then the players will do that. So, so that's important. Um, it's also important to remember that they're, they are foundation phase players. They're not adults. So you don't have to go in with the under nines and start talking about the nine pinning the center half for the 10 to drop in while the seven's gone on the overlap. But, you know, you've got to use a terminology that's right for those players. And again, it's understanding that, you know, they, they need to be engaged. So again, if you sit them down, remember they've been at school all day. If you bring them in and go, right, we're going to sit in front of the screen and we're going to do an hour on analysis well, good luck with that with a nine-year-old because, you know, they're going to switch off. So you need to make sure you, you, you're engaging them and you're moving the sessions on at the right pace, which is right for that group. I always talk about that um, the, the learning zone where you dip them into that challenging area when you make it hard for them. And the skills in the foundation phase is knowing when to bring them out because if you leave them in too long, they'll see it as failure. And then at a young age, they're going to say, oh, I can't do that. So you need to make sure, and again, every player is different. How long do you leave them in there, challenging them in that area and stretching them and then bring them back out and giving them success so they see that they've actually done well within the practice? And what about yourself? What are your, what's your ambitions for the future? Is, you know, is it still that England manager's job still lingering there for you? Well, I did think about, obviously, you know, maybe getting a business partner with you because you seem to be doing really well at the moment. So, 
So there's that. But also, yeah, for, for me, you know, my my ambitions. Um, you know, I'm 52 now, which you probably don't realise. So I look in my right. 30s, I know. Exactly. But, but yeah, I've had a tough life. Um, so, so my ambitions are to do what I enjoy doing, and and that's what I've I've now managed to do. I've got a good balance of that. So I've got my son's grassroots team. So we're spending great time together in the car, traveling, you know, to and from game sessions and watching him play, which I really enjoy. Um, my academy work, I'm going in there twice a week now, working with various groups from under nine to under 11s with individuals or small groups, which is, which is brilliant. So I'm seeing different players, helping them and supporting them. And then, as I said, the international stuff is is great. I'm doing lots of coach education, but in various territories, they're coming to the UK as well. So, so really, for me, I'm in a, I'm in a good place. So I'm quite happy where I am. So, yeah, I don't really fancy the England job, to be honest, mate. I might take the Italy job one day, but not the England. <laughs> yeah, we'll see, mate. So, lastly, then, what, what what advice would you give to like a, a parent of a young aspiring player who maybe is on the verge of going to development centre or academy football or something like that? My advice there would be is I've got to be careful on this one. So it's it's what's right for your for your son, your 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 daughter going into that system. I think that's that's huge because it's not right for everybody, you know, because some players, you know, need to just stay at grassroots for a bit longer. And you know, there's nothing wrong with them being with their mates. You know, because as as you know, in academy, when you're going in there three nights a week and then the weekend as well. It takes, it's a lot of pressure on a family. It really is because, you know, if you've got siblings as well, you're trying to balance everything that, you know, your kids they're missing out on going to uh, birthday parties and other things and socializing. So it's what's right for your child because, like I said, every kid is different. So if it is that young age, that eight, nine year old, you know, boy, then make sure it is right for them because they've got to enjoy it. Don't take the fun away from the football. So again, the, the club you are going to, just make sure that environment is good for them, that they're enjoying it. And I would also keep checking in with them all the time, you know, because it's not the end of the world if they come out of the system. Players come out and go back in at later dates. That's fine. Because as I say, it's what's right for your own son and daughter. Lovely. Andy, thanks very much, mate. It's been fantastic. No worries. Thanks for tuning in to the MyPersonalFootballCoach.com Soccer Player Development Podcast. MyPersonalFootballCoach.com's Dynamic Ball Mastery Program is the world's leading online individual technical training program, proven and developed at the highest level in the English Premier League. Sign up now to train like the pros and take your game to the next level. Master the ball, master the game.